The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Well, hello, I'm Christopher Fordnall. I'm here on staff at Story City. <laughs> I might have stolen that joke from Jared, but let's just move on. Uh, if you would stand with me as we read the scripture for tonight. We're going to read Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Also, when I'm finished uh, reading, I'll say, uh, this is the word of the Lord, and uh, we'd love for you to respond, thanks be to God. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. Good evening. Welcome to Story City Church. We are excited you guys are here. How are you guys doing tonight? Yes. That is good. That is a not stressful clap. That means everybody's got all their shopping done. I'm just saying Target was a joy to be in today. It was... It was just stockings. I was just grabbing stocking stuff. Everything else was done. But um, welcome. We are so glad that you guys are here. And listen, you are welcome here. Whether your favorite movie is A Christmas Story, whether your favorite Christmas movie is Jingle All the Way, whether your favorite Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life, or whether your favorite movie is my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. My name is Jay Elf. Sure, I just couldn't list all 50 of the greatest Christmas movies because Die Hard is still at the top. So anyway, uh, my name is Jared. For those of you who don't know me, and I have the privilege of being one of your pastors here, it is an honor to be with you. Jesus said there were two things that summed up what we're supposed to be about. The, the first is that we're to love God with everything we are and have, that, that every part of us loves God. And the second, he said, is to love our neighbors as ourselves. What does that mean? It means to extend the same rights and, and grace and love and patience and care for to the people around us. That's a lot harder than it sounds. And that's exactly what God has called us to do. And so each of us has a story that matters. And as we build community here, we learn not only how to appreciate other people's stories, but how that story connects to Jesus and to each other. And so we're learning how to walk those stories out. We learn how to live in community. Community is extremely important. Not only is it what we were created for, it's actually what we need to be healthy. Now, you might have been dragged here today. I don't know what your story is, but if you were dragged here, I promise I will not preach more than two to three hours, so it's going to be really easy. It's going to be good. But in all seriousness, there is something I do want to acknowledge, and that is is that um, we know that the holidays are not always an easy time for everybody, that for some of us, it's a great time to celebrate, it's a beautiful time, it's a restful time, and for others, it's not. For me personally, it's, it's both. A couple of days ago, I got to celebrate my 25th anniversary married. Yeah. My wife, too, which is incredible. But in a couple days, I'll also celebrate the 24th, 24th anniversary of my dad passing away. 
And so it's one of those seasons that brings joy and it brings difficulty. We recognize that not everybody has a good season, that this is difficult for, for people, that it can be a lot to handle with the emotions of family being around and all the stuff that that brings, extended family. There's a lot that comes with it. And so for some of us, again, this is a joyous time and for others, not so much. Some of you are experiencing pain and loss and we understand that. So we just want to welcome you to be a part of the family as we walk through both the joy and the difficulty of that together. And one of the problems that I have with Christmas time is that for me, it often becomes just one more thing to get through as I kind of walk through the busyness of this season. Does that make sense to anybody else? Two of you. All right. Those two of you who I can't see. (laughs) But here's the deal. I mean, uh, if Christmas, uh, I mean, if Easter is a Super Bowl, then at least for pastors, Christmas is like the conference championships. Like this is some of the biggest times of the year, right? And, And I know it's not just pastors. That, that somehow we get into the season, we're trying to get everything done, we wake up and it's January. We're like, what the heck just happened? I mean, the season is supposed to be about celebrating the most amazing of gifts, and sometimes I feel like we're the kid playing with the cardboard box instead of the gift. And so let's take the time that we have together tonight and, and refocus our attention on the presence that matters, the presence of Jesus. You see, this present isn't like some fad toy, but it's more like the antidote that rescues us from horrific death. And to understand the importance of that gift and why that matters, we should start where it all started in the Garden of Eden. God created a kingdom, and he is creator, king over that kingdom. And then he created man and woman to be his image after his likeness. The invisible God created a humans as his visible representatives to that kingdom. And then he makes us responsible for leading. So God puts his people in an amazing garden where everything works in perfect harmony the way that he always intended. He tasked humans to trust and obey him to be the representation, the visible representation of who he was and what he was like. Adam and Eve, though, ultimately rejected that call And in doing so, they became sinful and began to die spiritually as would any of their offspring, including us, for all of eternity. They're made to leave the garden and the perfect relationship that existed before sin are broken. The relationship between God and humanity is devastated. The relationship between humans is devastated. The relationship between humanity and the earth is devastated. All you have to do is look around for more than a couple of seconds and you can see that to be true. But God has a plan to rescue us. Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put hostility between you and the woman. He's talking to Satan here. It says, between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike strike your head and you will strike his heel. This passage is describing something that will happen in the future. It would point forward to the battle between Jesus and Satan, sin and death. And this scripture promises us that the rescue and restoration of all things will come through a descendant of Eve, and it points even then to Jesus' coming. In the midst of disciplining humanity and cursing Satan for his role in Adam and Eve's treasonous act, God gave them hope, and by extension, hope to all of us, all of humanity. See, he never leaves us without hope. This is the promise that God made in that moment. He promises us what we call the gospel. 
The gospel is that God himself has come to rescue and renew all creation through the person and work of Jesus. And that brings us back to our scripture for today. Let's refresh our memory. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. For this reason, God highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about the name that God uses for himself, Yahweh, which Uh, God appeared to a man named Moses, and he introduced himself as, I am who I am, or Yahweh, which means I am all that I am. I am everything that I am makes up who I am. In other words, he's saying, I'm not so small that, that a name can define me. I'm not so small that a territory or location can identify me. I'm not so small that those things that you call gods are gods. No words could possibly explain all that I am. And yet God does want us to know him and have relationship with him. And so throughout the scriptures, God gives us names in order for us to understand them. Now, he gives these names either directly or through the authors of scripture that reveal the attributes or promises about himself and the meaning of those names. Names like Elohim, which means creator. Yahweh Rapha, which means the God who heals. Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Jehovah Raha, the Lord is my shepherd. Or Emmanuel, God with us. And many other names that point back to him, the one true God. Again, these names aren't just things that we hope God will be. When we are hurting, we have the God who heals. When we are alone, we have the God who is with us. When we can't understand where God is, we have the God who sees us right where we are at. And so again, they are promises of who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. As Pastor Will Browning talked about last Sunday, all of this is summed up in Jesus, who is the promised Emmanuel, or God, with us. But the name Emmanuel isn't just a promise, it's also the fulfillment of that promise. The actual name Jesus is the Greek equivalent of Joshua, or in Hebrew, Yeshua, which means both the Lord saves and Emmanuel. Emmanuel means the God that lives, dwells, walks, and exists among us as one of us. And so we see in verses 9 and 10 of tonight's passage, we see that this name Jesus isn't just a name, but the fulfillment of the promise that God gave to save his people. It's the answer to the question in Genesis that we read, Genesis 3.15, of how God was going to crush Satan, sin, and death and bring about that reconciliation. You see, the people of the Old Testament, they didn't have the luxury of looking back through time and getting to see the promise fulfilled. They had to hope and wonder, when is this ever going to come? They had to dream of this. this, this will this red rider be begun finally be under the tree? No one? Really? Okay, two of you have seen that movie. The rest of you need to do something tonight. Let's go watch a Christmas story. But throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we see promise after promise that the hope of the world is coming, that the ultimate present and presence was finally going to be given to all of humanity. As hundreds of years before Jesus was born, we see this promise given by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him 
Emmanuel. And then finally, finally, Christmas arrives and our promised gift has come, Jesus. I love the way that the message version paraphrases John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. You know, as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that the best gifts are the ones that cost us something. I'm not talking about money, although it can be. I'm talking about the time and effort and thought put into what gift a person should get and, and, and what will bring joy to the person receiving the gift. And as you begin to see this, you see this is exactly why a mom can treasure a day where a dad takes the kids out for the whole day so she can rest even more than maybe a piece of jewelry. Yes, it is. I told you I've been married 25 years. (laughs) It's why a friend can treasure a homemade ornament that celebrates who they are over an Amazon gift card 10 times the value. In the same way, God's gift cost him dearly as well. See, Jesus wasn't born into a life of ease. It started even with his pregnant mom. He's born into difficulty right away. At only about 14 years old, Mary is pregnant. Do you know that? Mary becomes the object of scorn and ridicule and scandal. Not even her fiancé, Joseph, believes that she's a virgin anymore until God shows up in a dream and says, No, Joseph, this is legit. Right from the beginning, we learn that even though we endure the most difficult things, the hope we hold on to is the same hope that Mary and Joseph held in their hands. Emmanuel, God with us. See, this is the true hope of Christmas and the answer that God had been promising all along. Not just that Jesus would come as a baby, but that his life and death would be full in sinless submission to the Father in order to bring about the Father's promise and bring glory to God. But to do that, Jesus had to become the suffering servant. He literally chose not to rely on his divinity and to live in the weakness and frailty of his flesh. See, Jesus was still God while he was here on earth. However, he took upon himself an additional nature, that of human. He is fully God and fully human. And so as fully human, he had a body like other men, except it was without sin. He did not set aside any of the attributes that were rightly his. He voluntarily limited himself to being human. I want you to think about what this means for a minute. This means that with genuine humanity came genuine limitations or restrictions that he could only be in one place at a time. That he needed to eat. He needed to rest. He needed to sleep. He cried as a baby. He could feel pain. He bled. He could die. Now think about this. Before he became a man, he had no such restrictions. Can you imagine the humiliation and sacrifice of putting that on yourself and taking that on willingly? And what was the result of that humiliation and sacrifice? Our scripture for today, Philippians 2, 9 to 11. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus or Yeshua, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth 
and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Yeshua Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The reason Yeshua is exalted is because he took on human nature in addition to his God nature, was obedient even to the point of death, and in that death made a way for us to come alive spiritually and brought glory to God the Father. Why would Jesus do this? Because even from the very moment sin entered the world, God had a plan to rescue and renew all creation back to him. Remember the promise of the gospel to overcome the spiritual death and separation that sin brought and bring creation back to a healthy relationship to God. Yeshua did that by being with us. Now to all those who apprenticed Jesus, to those he gave the right to become children of God, because Jesus became a human child and lived in a perfect sinless life, he was able to become the perfect sacrifice in our place. When he did that, we gained the ability to be adopted as full children in God's family, to be co-heirs. That is the true and the real gift of Christmas, not anything money can buy. The gift of Jesus is the gift of eternal life for those who apprentice him. This is the gift we so often overlook at Christmas time. Even those of us who have been apprenticing Jesus for a long time, we get caught up in the busyness and we miss what this is really about. But that's not even the end of the gift. But wait, there's more. The Bible says that those who apprentice Jesus haven't just been saved, but that we are being saved because we are continually being renewed and transformed day by day into the image of God, that we are being made more and more the way that God intended us to be. But wait, there's still more. The Bible also says that God will one day finally save us when he sets all things right and restores all things to their proper order. In the final book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 to 5, it says this, Then the angel showed me the river of life, giving water, shining like crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the city's main street. On each side of the river is the tree of life, which produces 12 crops of fruit, bearing its fruit each month. The tree's leaves are for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. That's going right back to Genesis. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. They won't need the light of a lamp and the light of the sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will rule forever and always. Someday, everything will be redeemed. As it was at the beginning, God's people will always be dependent on him for light and life. But we've seen that he can always be trusted to give what we need, even at the greatest cost to himself. And for all eternity, we'll have the joy of trusting him and receiving from him. That's what we are made to live for, to live in and enjoy the life-giving presence of God. We have that in Jesus, in Yeshua. The battle's been won. The Bible says God is only waiting to set everything right finally because he wants to give time for more people to come to him. That's it. He loves us enough that he's waiting. But this is the story of the Bible. This is the good news, the true and best gift of Christmas. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for all that you have given us. Thank you for the ways that you have not only sacrificed, but you've given us the best gifts, gifts we don't deserve, gifts that are so far out of our league, and yet you, faithful, faithful, have given us more than we desire, more than we deserve. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize your gift, to recognize you in this season. In Jesus' name.